Hello and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us online. For daily encouragement, events, service times, and more, check us out on social media. And now, this week's message. It was a um, resort town, a beach town, a tropical paradise at a seaport where uh, everybody was anonymous. It was a great place of anonymity where anything goes. There's a saying, there was a saying in the first century world that what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Yeah, you've heard of Corinth. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's this place that was the original sin city. I mean, crazy stuff, stuff that would make us blush. It was incredibly sexually charged. For instance, it was rampant with sin and immorality. They worshiped the goddess of fertility, Aphrodite, that literally, um, they worshipped her. They worshipped sex. They had a temple that was built to her with at least 1,000 temple prostitutes who worked there. And they believed that an act of worship was going to visit those people and paying that money to do that so that God, Aphrodite, would bless your crops or your family or your business. Inhabitants were expected to go at least once a year. This was a crazy place. Some of you may have heard of Corinth before. It's this original sin city where God sends his most trusted missionary, the Apostle Paul. If you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, this is a guy who had an encounter with Jesus, the risen Jesus, and he dedicates, he commits his life to him, and not just to following him, but to helping other people follow him, to planting churches, called out people, groups of people following Jesus all over the known world. He plants these groups of believers who are trying to live out their Christianity in the middle of a culture and in the middle of a world where everything else was kind of uh, valued. Jesus, uh, Paul is going, don't live like them, live differently. That's what he does in this place called Corinth. Everybody else is kind of running after their own desires, following their own trends, following their own sinful lusts, Paul would say. And Paul goes, hey, don't live like them, live different, follow Jesus, walk to a different drumbeat, swim to a different current. And I know what you're thinking, what does this have to do with us? You might not be thinking that. It sounds just like us. If, if Paul were to write a letter to us today, I think it would sound a lot like Corinthians. Because if you're trying to follow Jesus here in Myrtle Beach, if you're trying to live this thing out right here, you might notice that you find yourself in a different culture. You find yourself in a place where the world is swimming aggressively in the opposite direction. We live in a beach town, in a, in a tropical paradise, sort of. It's a resort town. It's a, I love Myrtle Beach. Don't laugh at that. It's a, it's a tropical paradise, right? You guys love living here too. Yeah, and you might find yourself, like when I read this letter, when I read this letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians, at times I kind of go, it sounds a lot like he's writing to us. And so I thought for the next several weeks, however long this lasts, we should explore this letter together. Because a lot of you guys have been asking questions about this church, this group of believers, this place of called out people trying to live their Christianity out in the middle of a culture that's dead set against it. You've asked things over the past couple of weeks like, who are 
you. What's a vineyard? What is it? What do we believe? How do we church? How do we do church? You know, what are the teams? Do you do membership? How do you do membership? What's my next step? Is there a 101 course? Is there a 201 course? Is there a three? You know, we have all these questions, and I want to, I want to give you answers. I want to answer you. And we thought about this, like, how do we best give answers to those questions? I didn't want to print a brochure and hand everybody else, uh, everybody out a brochure, like, this is who we are. Because I'm like, that's not the best way to do it. And I also didn't want to do a membership class from the pulpit. I'll be honest with you. Because I'm like, I don't know. I think when we gather together, we're supposed to look at this, right? And just, and just talk about this. I think it's kind of simple. We gather together, we sing out songs to Jesus, and then we crack this thing open. And if you're new to faith or not even a part of the Christian family yet, we'll tell you how to get there. We'll go slow. We'll look at this together and talk about what it says. And so for this study that we're doing, I thought the best thing we could do is talk about, okay, who are we as a church, and how do we answer that by way of studying this book? And if only there was a book, if only there was a letter that tells you how to be a church, what kind of church to be in an environment that's not trying to be a church, I kind of, hold on, Corinthians. Dude, this is the perfect book. Like, so this is where we're going to look for the next few weeks. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up there together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. They call it 1 Corinthians because there's a 2 Corinthians. And so you've got to distinguish. The Apostle Paul wrote these two letters to this same church, right? He wrote at least two letters. We think it was more like four at least because in the two letters that we have, he refers to letters we don't have and it's like, man, someone lost Bible, right? So you might be having a bad day today, but you didn't lose Bible. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, we're going to start at verse 2 and just work our way through what this says. Paul writes this, to the church of God in Myrtle Beach, That's not what it says. All right. Some of y'all are like, we made the Bible. Uh, <laughs> to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and our Lord, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, would you, um, would you help us to hear your voice today? We just sang that we're desperate for you, we're hungry for you, we're lost without you. And so speak. We need you. We need you. Amen. So, the other day I was visiting my children at school. Um, many of you know I have four, uh, Benjamin, Eli, Anna, Kate, and Grace. And Benjamin, Benjamin is like, he's like 11, le I think he's 11, Eli is like 9. It's, you know, there's four of them and it changes every year. Um, 11, 9, 
six or seven, I don't know, great, uh, Anna Kate, and then and Anna Kate's in first grade, that's the point. Anna Kate's in first grade, and I went to see her at school, and I'm looking in her classroom, and it's first grade, you know, everybody's kind of busy and doing stuff, mostly like, you know, energy stuff, and Anna Kate's just sitting at her little desk doing her work like she's supposed to, and the teacher says to me, has she ever done anything wrong? Like, the answer is no, like, not yet. Like, we're still waiting. We know at some point maybe she will, but she's always like that. She's just the best one out of all of our kids. She just never seems to get it. I know they know it, too. You guys got uncomfortable with that. They know it, too. We've had these conversations before where we're like, if there's only one more allowed into heaven, which one do you think it'll be? And all the kids are just immediately like, Anna Kate. Like, we don't have a shot. And she's perfect. She really is. We're like, man, this is a perfect kid. I do remember one time, I started, when I left the school the other day, I was like, you know, there had to have been some time that she has sinned, right? All have sinned. I know that at some point she's probably sinned. And I remember this one, I had been working out in the yard, you know, doing yard work, and I came inside to get a glass of water, and all the kids were at the table. It was lunchtime. Mama had fixed them all lunch. And Anna Kate and Eli were kind of, they were just being kind of mean to each other. Like, you could tell there was some tension. I'm like, what's going on? And Eli's like, Anna Kate pinched me. I said, Anna Kate, did you pinch him? She's like, no. And I said, Eli. And he was like, Anna Kate pinched me. And I said, Anna Kate, did you pinch him? He said, no. Now, normally you let a fight like that go, right? You're just like, whatever, both y'all quit. And, you know, you go back out into the yard. But for whatever reason, I don't know what, what got into me, but I was like Columbo. I'm like, I'm getting to the bottom of it, you know? Because one of you is lying. You can't both be telling the truth. And so I was like, we're going to sit here and figure it out till we know which of you is lying. And as it turned out, it was Anna Kate. She, was, she did pinch him. He probably deserved it. But she did. Well, it's Anna Kate. But she did pinch him. And I was like, Anna Kate, you just lied. And she goes, no, I didn't. I was like, you, you said something that wasn't true. She's like, right. And I said, you lied. No, I didn't. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, and it dawns on me. She doesn't know what it means to lie. She knew that she had told something that wasn't true, but she hadn't yet heard it called a lie. And so I had to explain to her what lying was and then show her how she violated that, show her how she did it. And I watched as that realization washed over her as it sank onto her where she's like, oh, no, I did tell a lie. <gasps> I'm a liar. And she just began to sob as it washed over her. It's like this really memorable experience for me where I'm like, I didn't have to teach her how to lie. I didn't have to go, okay, you're five years old, I'm a, you know, it's time that you learn how to pinch your brother. Like, that never happened. She just knew how to do it. She knew how to do it before she even knew what it was. The Bible says that we are born sinners. We know how to sin. Nobody teaches us how to do it. We just know how to do it. And when we take those steps away from God, Romans chapter 1 says, God kind of doesn't push himself onto us. He kind of goes, all right, you don't want me? I'm not going to chase after you. And we can get so far away from him that we devolve into this culture of just total chaos, right? Which is where Corinth is. This is the church that the Apostle Paul is writing to, a place that lives in this sort of debauchery. And he's writing a letter about how to not fall into that same trap. God called you out of that. You're supposed to live different now. He's asking them to walk to a different drumbeat. And he's trying to tell them how to do this. Out of 
all of his churches that he's planted, by the way, the Apostle Paul, he spends more protracted time with this one than any other church that we know of. He spends 18 months with this church, and after he leaves, he has to write to them twice that we have in our Bibles and at least two more times that we don't have in our Bibles. He's constantly pouring into them, nourishing them, nurturing them, trying to make sure they know how to live this thing out. And he plants the church, and then a guy after him named Apollos comes and pastors the church pretty amazing. We know about Apollos from elsewhere in scripture, this other VIP of the Christian movement, the early Christian movement. He's a famous orator. He know, he's a scholar on the Old Testament. He's able with profuse uh, uh, success to expand the Old Testament and show how it points to Jesus, right? This guy Apollos. So you've got, you've got Paul as your planter, you have Apollos as your pastor. These guys should be all-stars. You got rock star pastors, like planting the church, nurturing the church. These guys shouldn't have any issues, right? There should be no kind of sin going on in that church whatsoever. And yet, listen to some of the things that Paul has to talk about going on in Corinth. When he writes this letter, some of the issues he has to address. He goes, all right, some of you guys are getting drunk on communion, <laughs> can't do that, right? He has to write it down. He's like, can't, you don't do, you know, you got to knock that off, right? Okay, we might not have the perfect church, but to my knowledge, none of you have done that so far, right? So that's good. People are dividing over who they follow. Paul's having to talk about that. He's like, you know, some of them are going, I follow Jesus. Some are going, I follow Paul. Some are going, I follow Apollos. And he's like, oh man, we can't break off into factions like that. Here's another issue they have to deal with. Wealthy people were eating the food, all of it, at the church potlucks, and so the poor people weren't able to have, they would leave the church potlucks hungry, because they were like, all the rich people ate everything. Paul's like, you got to knock that off. This is weird stuff, man, going on in Corinth that Paul's having to write this letter about. Um, people are still visiting those temples and those temple prostitutes, and Paul's like, can't do that anymore. People are suing each other. He has to talk about this. Believers are suing each other for the most frivolous little things, and Paul's like, you got to knock that off. One dude... In this book, Paul has to call out, he's sleeping with his father's wife. I know, that's what, even, Paul goes, even the pagans think that's weird, right? This is gross, man. This is, and here's what's so crazy about all of this. Nobody's calling anybody out on anything because they all believe that they're progressive and accepting and non-judgmental. And does any of this sound familiar? Paul goes, there's some stuff you got to call each other out on. His overwhelming concern in this letter, his overwhelming concern as he's dealing with the Corinthians is, yes, the salvation of the people in the church, but also the reputation of the church to those outside of it. He's like, man, when you guys live like that in here, people on the outside are like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, that, that it's just as messed up in there as it is out here. Like, he says when the, the one guy that's, like, sleeping with his mother-in-law, he's like, uh, that's weird, and even the pagans think so. Like, even they think that that's weird. 
So Paul's concern all throughout this book is for those who are outside of it because he's hoping that what we do in here is so different and so beautiful and so compelling that people who aren't in the church are going to look and go, man, I got to know more about that. I got to know more about that. We read about one such person in the first verse. I don't know if you caught it. Just a minute ago, as Paul gives his introduction. So this is 1 Corinthians 1.1. It's going to be a long series, guys. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother, and there's that, there's that funny name, Sosthenes. It's fun to say, Sosthenes. You're like, who in the world is that? This person that's with Paul that he's writing with, right? He's writing to this church that he's planted, and he's going, hey, it's me, Paul. That's how he always starts his letters. And then he says, who's with him, right? He's like, and then Sosthenes. And he doesn't go, you remember Sosthenes? You know, he assumes that they know who Sosthenes is, which begs the question, who is Sosthenes? I'm so glad that you asked. The Apostle Paul writes this letter, but a guy that traveled with him named Luke wrote a book called Acts. And in that book, he basically takes a journal to all of the cities that Paul plants churches in, right? And so we get from a different perspective the beginnings of each of these churches. And this church in particular in Corinth, the, uh, the, the writer Luke um, documents how it started in Acts chapter 18. You can write that in your margins. Um, you can flip there right now if you want to. In Acts chapter 18, Luke tells us how this church started, and he includes that name, Sosthenes. He says this in verses 12 through 17. We'll go through it really quick. When Gallio was proconsul of Acacia, don't need to know that, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. All right, pause. When Paul would go into a city, when he would start a new church there, he always followed the same strategy. He'd find the open mic. He'd find the stage, right, where people would gather to hear different teachings, maybe like a church or something like that. He'd find somewhere where he could go, and he would present this new teaching. And so Paul in Corinth would go into the stage in the city and present his teaching. And while he was there one day, some Jewish people, Luke says, make a united attack on him. They knew where to find him. And they're like, we're going to go get him. We're going to shut this guy up, right? They were tired of his teaching. Verse 13, this man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in the ways contrary to the law. So they grab him, right? They take him to, to the place of judgment, verse 12 says, which would be like the steps to the state house or something like that. They take him there, and they're like, we got to shut him up. He is teaching ways that are contrary to the law, which is not true. It's a false allegation. Verse 14, Paul's about to defend himself. He's about to go, guys, verse 14, just as he's about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names of your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. Basically, the guy who's listening to their complaint goes, uh, stop wasting my time. This isn't worth my time, right? And the people who have, like, they're, they're ready for blood. They're hungry for blood. They're like, we want to beat Paul up. We want you to beat Paul up. And he's like, you're wasting my time. And so what do they do? Verse 17, they there turn on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. Sosthenes was the guy who got the whole thing started. I don't know if you caught that. 
He's the guy that's like, we got to shut this Paul up. He's talking too much. He's talking too much. I know where he is. Why don't we all go get him? They all go get him. They take him to Gallio. They're like, hey, throw him in prison. And Gallio's like, stop wasting my time. And so all the people are like, well, we got to beat somebody up, you know. So they're like, oh, Sosthenes, you started this whole thing. So they beat him down, right? And it says that Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Gallio's just like, whatever, you know. And he turns to Sosthenes got a beat down for trying to get Paul arrested, you're like, okay, <laughs> there's a little bit of a gap between that story and 1 Corinthians 1.1. Like, what happened? We don't know. What I think must have happened is that these Jewish people that were trying to allege these false allegations against Paul beat up Sosthenes. And if I'm Paul, I'm going to go, serves you right. You know, when the crowd disperses, I'm like, see what happens if you try to beat me up. Yeah, who's bleeding now, right? Like, I, that would be me. But I don't think Paul does that. I think he shows him grace. I think he shows him love and compassion. And he scoops him up and takes him to a place, a gathering of people who are in love with Jesus and show him kindness, so much kindness, that Sosthenes becomes a believer. And not just a believer, but a missionary on journey with the Apostle Paul. And his name is included in 1 Corinthians 1, 1. God goes, put him in there. Put him in the Bible. This guy that everybody was probably tempted to, to write off as an enemy of Christianity, this guy who Paul could have opposed and called out and, uh, and, and flaunted or flexed at, instead he... Uh, he ends up going on mission with Paul. Isn't that, a, isn't that beautiful? No, I, I, I read that and I go, man, that means nobody's off limits. That means that the person that you think God can't get a hold of, keep praying for them. Keep waiting. Keep showing kindness. Keep being compassionate, even if they try to get you locked up. Now, if you're me, I'm reading this letter, right? First, this is, we're one verse in. And like the other day, I'm reading it, and I know the issues that Paul's going to have to address in here. You got a dude sleeping with his mother-in-law. You got people getting drunk on wine. You got, you know, the richer people eating all the food at the potlucks. You know, he's got all this stuff, and you're getting ready. Oh, man, Paul doesn't mince words, right? If I'm writing this letter, I'm waiting for the hammer to drop, right? He's going he's gonna to say something that's going to cut them to the quick as he enters into this letter. He, of course, gives the salutation. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, verse 1. He always, you know, tells who's writing. That's what this is. By the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, um, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So we're three verses in grace <laughs> and peace. All right, hold on. Like, I was bracing for a beatdown, right? I'm, I'm excited. Like, he's got these big issues that he's going to have to address with them. I'm grabbing my popcorn and my milk duds. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good, right? And then you get to verse 3, and you're like, grace and peace. Like, where is the, oh, y'all not to knock it off. You know, where is the scolding? Where is the reprimanding? Where is the rebuking? And it's going to come. But I want you to see, this, is, this jumped off the page at me this week. Paul does not start there. What does he start with? He starts by mentioning the name of Jesus. 
eight times in three verses. Did you see that? He mentions Jesus' name eight times. He goes, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. See that there? He's telling them who they are. He's reminding them who they are by mentioning Jesus so often. That's the starting point. Oh, the rebuke is going to come. Oh, the correction is going to come. But that's not where he starts. Where he starts is, do you guys realize who you've been called to be? You know, so much of my life I've spent looking to the left and to the right, wanting to be like everybody else. I'm thinking specifically of high school and college when that seems to be the guiding ethos of that whole life season, right? But even as an adult, even as an adult, especially in an age with social media, you see how everybody else is doing, and you're like, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. I want to be like everybody else. And God kind of goes in 1 Corinthians 1, do you really want to be like everybody else? I've called you to be different. I've called you to be, you are my holy people, holy people. He says to those sanctified, you know what the word sanctified means in the scriptures? It means set apart. You are different. You are not like everybody else. You have been reserved for God's use. It's the same word that like if you've ever come into a theater or maybe if you had come in here today and the first three rows were marked off, right? Said reserve, reserve, reserve. It's the same word that they would have used for that. Reserved. Like nobody else gets this. This is God's. This life of mine is God's. Nobody else gets it. Paul starts there. He goes, don't you forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. You are sanctified. You're not like everybody else. That's where he starts. There's no scolding. There's no reprimand. He just goes, hey, this is all about Jesus. In fact, I'm going to say his name eight times in three verses just to make sure you know that. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He just says it over and over and over again. He goes, and by the way, you've been called to be sanctified, right? You're different. This is all about him. The point of your life is to point to him. The whole point of your life is to point to him. This is all about Jesus. I think Paul is kind of reminding this church that Jesus is beautiful enough and compelling enough. He's enough. And you guys, may we never lose that as a goal of our church. I think there's this temptation, this subtle slide that we've seen over the last generation of churches where we'll say it's all about Jesus, but we don't actually live that way. I, I think the, the subtle allure of this modern church movement is to say it's about Jesus, but let's throw a little lights in there too. Let's throw a little of that in there too. Let's do a little bit of smoke and lasers and all that stuff. Yeah, it's about Jesus, and we're like, ah, I think what we're worried about is that we think that Jesus might not be enough. He might not be enough. So let's prop him up a little bit with all this other stuff. And that's no judgment on anybody else. I'm just saying, as this here, as the church that I think that we're called to be, I kind of go, I just want it all to be about Jesus. In a word, simple. <laughs> I had to sit down a minute ago. Um...
Justin and I, have, we've, we've played together before back in the day. We've been a part of a lot of different things. And to just see, and I hope you don't mind me calling, like saying your name. We've known each other a long time. To feel the, the fruit of just getting people together to sing to Jesus without all the extras. You know what I mean? Like just, did you guys hear yourselves a minute ago? I think we both were brought up in a time where it's like, well, I don't know if Jesus is enough, you know? And then this morning I had to sit down because I'm going, Jesus, you're enough. Your voices were going to blow the lid off the place a minute ago. That was awesome. And I'm just sitting there going, there was this hunch that maybe when we get together, if we can just, you know, strip it back a little bit keep it simple and keep it focused on Jesus, I think that's just about enough. And a minute ago, it just felt like the culmination of that where you're just like, yeah, it was enough. Jesus, you're enough. People are hungry for you and they just want to sing out to you. They don't need all that extra stuff because you're beautiful enough and compelling enough and we just want to praise you for being Jesus. Mm. Paul goes on. This is so funny because if you're looking for the beat down, if you're waiting for the beat down, you're still waiting because it's not coming, right? Verse 4, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. So he says his name again. For in him, there's his name again, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God, there it is again, thus confirming our testimony about Jesus, his name again, among you. <laughs> he just keeps, he's laying it on so thick. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you see what he's doing there? He's just, he's just repeating the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And he's reminding them of who, who they are. You, you, you're blameless. He's called you to be blameless. He just reminds them of who they are. He reminds them whose they are. You belong to him now. And then who they are. As a result, you're blameless. You're called out. You're set apart. You're his church. In verse 2, he says, sanctified in Christ. I want to remind you whose you are. You belong to him and who you are. You've been made holy, set apart, reserved for God's use, called to be his holy people. You are his. You're his. You're his. Anna Kate just melted into a puddle of tears that day as she realized, I just lied. I'm a liar. And she just began to weep at the table, and I didn't know what to do. My goal wasn't to break her. I just wanted to teach her that lying isn't acceptable. And so in order to teach her that, I had to explain to her what a lie was, but now she believed the lie that she's a liar. They didn't know how to make her feel better. Any parent knows when your kid cries, there's something inside you that breaks. And so I just scooped her up into my arms and I got her real close and I just kept whispering into her ear, you are mine. You're Anna Kate. I love you. You're daddy's girl. You're daddy's girl. You're Anna Kate. I love you. You're mine. I just kept reminding her whose she is 
and who she is. You are not a liar. You lied. You're not a liar. You are loved. You are daddy's girl. You are mine. You're Anna Kate. And for some of us, I think you just need that reminder this morning. I think so often we come to church and we're expecting a beat down. <laughs> we're expecting to be called out. We're expecting to be judged. We're expected to be, or, or expecting to be um, assaulted. Like, like maybe, maybe the way that I was expecting the assault, like the Corinthians, like if I'm reading this book for the first time going, oh boy, he's going to call us out on some things. And Paul's kind of like, yeah, we're going to get to that stuff because you can't keep doing it, right? That's weird. Even the pagans say so. Um, but before we get there, I just want our starting point to be whose you are and who you are. May we have the same starting point. You're a child of God, a God who did everything necessary to get to you, who sent his son, who became a man, and lived a sinless life and allowed us to nail him to a cross. And God raised him back to life. We sang about it last week. We sang it about it again this morning. And now you've been offered that new life. Don't you dare go back to that old one. That's gross. It's weird. Don't forget whose you are and who you are. And yeah, we got to fix some stuff. We'll get to it. Don't forget that. Let's start there. And, and what if by doing that we create such a place that those outside of here look in and go, I want to be a part of that. Like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know why they act that way. I don't know why their men talk to their women that way. I don't know why their families are so amazing and so beautiful and compelling. I don't know what's going on in their work or the way that they, they act towards one another. But something is so different in there. Look at how they put each other first. Look at how they serve one another. Look at how they respect one another. Look at how honest they are with one another. Look at how they share things. Look at how they encourage each other. That is so weird and so different that I want to know more about that. And Paul says that's what we're called to be. That's the kind of church that we're called to be. And yet we'll flush out all the other implications through the rest of this book as we study this book. But I just wanted to park there this morning. May we be that kind of church. Because if you're like me, you want to see the restoration of our world. We're living in a really messed up world. And they need to be offered some better alternative than the one they're being offered. And it starts with us. Thank you again for joining us online. We hope you enjoyed the message. To connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. For more information about who we are, check out seacoastvineyard.com. We would love to hear from you. So make sure you leave us a review or drop us a message. Until next time, have a great day.